0: Weirdos, weirdos,
1: Roo, welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Trey Warndorf a political scientist at Oklahoma Christian University, and I'm joined by the professor of law at Chase Law School, Ken Katkin. Ken, welcome to the Politics Guys midweek show, or I guess what we call it is the politics guys presents the constitution <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it is great to be back
1: so you know we 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 started this journey at the beginning of the year i was really excited about this ken i was excited to do this with you and it is fun to be saying that okay now here in almost exactly a year later we will have been we will now have finished the original text of the constitution with this show as we get to
0: Article seven. So, yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I it's, a, it's kind of going to go out with a whimper, not with a bang, because it's a fairly minor article. But um, then we'll be back with the Bill of Rights. So that'll be the big bang. You yeah, well, I mean a bang? And it will and
1: take some time. I mean, because, again, we're going to talk about this. I mean, it, it. a lot of times people think, OK, the Bill of Rights, I have 10 rights. And you think, well, not that's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know we'll we'll get to go through that we'll get to go through the the, uh, the Constitution but I I guess what that'll mean then Ken is is you know here in the coming months as we start to get through the Bill of Rights and the rest of the of the amendments to the Constitution listeners are going to have to let us know you know what what do we do next right like where <laughs> what's the next uh, K uh, Trey and K <laughs> Trey and we, Ken thing I can speak.
0: We can go all the way through the uh, 27 amendments, not just the 10 in the Bill of Rights. So exactly. we've got some time. Yeah. So, and so be thinking now, what do you want us to
1: be doing in January 2025? You heard that right. That was an a to speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is fun to be getting to do this and to be hitting some of those milestones. And as you had pointed out, Ken, right? This is, this is the shortest article in the Constitution, but there actually is a lot of history behind what's going on with it. Uh, so as we always do, we'll start by reading it, and then we'll get into its details. Uh, and it, it actually probably will help us as we think about uh, uh, moving towards civil liberties and the Bill of Rights. And Article 7 of the Constitution says very simply, the ratification of the conventions of nine states shall be sufficient for the establishment of this constitution between the states so ratifying the same. And, I, I, you know, I think for the most part, when I assign this to students, can nobody pays really any con- attention to Article 7 because, right, like, this is the constitution. Like, what does that even matter? <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> uh, and, and I suppose in terms of, you know, what you do, you know, as a lawyer and you're trying to train people, yeah, this, there, there, there is no jurisprudence, really, <laughs> on Article 7. You know, there, there's no Supreme Court cases on the I mean, at least none to my knowledge. I mean, are there? Am I, have I just missed it all these years.
0: No, I mean, it, it's, uh, there's no cases on it. And if, if there were, they might have to conclude that the whole Constitution is, is unconstitutional. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what we might set
1: up with, and this is what I often do for students and so listeners, I hope this might be helpful for you. But I want you to kind of step back for a second and imagine, Okay, uh, uh, thinking about Article 7 a little bit differently, because it's really kind of a bizarre device. And so oftentimes what I say to students is imagine this. uh, And so, Ken, maybe you can you can you can follow along on this. You know, we one of the things that we do, and I'm sure you do the same thing. You give out a syllabus at the beginning of the year. Do you in your syllabus? What's your provision if you need to make any changes? Like, how does that go down in in, uh, in law school syllabi?
0: Um, I I don't really make changes to policies, so I don't have much of a provision in terms of um, content or substance. I I always have a line in there that says, um, "Here's the uh, you know here here's the reading list for what we're going to be reading," but I I might add or subtract from it through the semester.
1: Okay, okay, so you kind of have that unilateral power. You know, as an undergraduate, I have actually, and, and I'm not alone, this is something that every institution I've been at has required, either required you to have a specific language or required you to at least address it, which is what if something, you know, what if we have to change something in terms of assessment? And oftentimes, you know, you don't think about that, but recently when we, we dealt with the pandemic, that was a great example, right? So, you know, I had some classes where we would have done things differently in person. And so there has to be a mechanism for, okay, how does that then translate? You know, what will be the, the, you know, under what circumstances could I potentially change some of those items, um, and so now, you know, we all have usually it's kind of like what you're saying. I kind of I, I reserve the right to make some of these changes under under, you know, uh, uh, grave circumstances. You know, you have a pandemic, a lockdown, et cetera. But, you know, generally speaking, it's going to be in that kind of that contract itself where you make the uh, uh, the decisions. And so I always tell students, I said, so imagine that's not what it actually says. It's a good sh- uh, chance to get students to try to read more of the, the syllabus. Uh, but to say, look. You know, imagine if what it said there at the end of my syllabus was, you know, we're only going to make changes uh, to to grading schemes, for example, if 100 percent of the students agreed to that change. Right. And then I said, imagine I have this epiphany. I go home and and I and I kind of like I have a Pauline experience. Uh, I'm out in the woods. And uh, and the Lord reveals to me that I've been assessing my classes wrong. Uh, <laughs> and so I come back and I'm like, listen, you know, I, I I am a changed man. I'm no longer Trey. I'm Harold. You know, I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, what we're going to do now, we're going to we're going to ch- change the assessment mechanism. Let's go ahead and take a vote on that. Uh, and I, I generally say something like, OK, we're going to go from quizzes to essays or from essays to papers or whatever. And there's always a, a few people in the class who are like, oh, my goodness, I would absolutely hate fill in the blank, whatever you're going to change to. And and I'll say, OK, well, then how would you feel you know, when to take this vote? Right? You're going to feel pretty confident. And they're like, yeah, because, you know, I'm one of the hundred. And I said, but then, I, I, you know, we get done with the vote and obviously not 100 percent of you vote for it, uh, but it's going to go into uh, go into effect anyway. And they're probably going to be a little bit unhappy. I said, well, look, look at the new syllabus right here. The new syllabus says. This syllabus is going to go into effect when 50% of you uh, agree to the syllabus. <laughs> and that's one way I try to help to think students of thinking about Article 7, right? Because the, the Constitution itself is the unratified Constitution, as we've, we've talked about in the show. The Constitution that we're theoretically under is the Articles of Confederation, and the Articles of Confederation required unanimity in order to make that uh, uh, happen. And, you know, historians and political historians ever since have talked a lot about, okay, you know, was that the right thing? Was that wrong? Was it tricky? Was it just brilliance? You know, historian Paul Johnson uh, said that it was, quote, the fast action necessary. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it was definitely the fast uh, way to make it happen, maybe or may not uh, uh, necessary, but is that oftentimes how you think about it or is it, or do you even do anything with this in your classes ken
0: um, no it's you know it's I don't actually cover article 7 in, in my classes um, I think because just being a, a law school class as opposed to a, a politi- political science or history class we're really focused on the, the stuff that they might actually need to litigate Yeah, and, uh, that's what I so, kind of figured yeah, yeah, so i just you know it's 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 a it's a it's an yeah, everything you're saying is is so great from a standpoint of uh, constitutional theory of you know if one of the one of the purposes of writing down and ratifying a constitution is to legitimize a, a governance structure. Um, then it, it does create, you know, very difficult problems about. Well, what if you're already, you know, under a governance structure and you're trying right. to? You, you, you know, do you have to follow all the rules of that government uh, structure legitimately to legitimize a new government structure? And and that was a, a problem our, our framers uh, confronted actually twice because they they were first under the Articles of Association of 1776 and then under the Articles of Confederation of 1778. And um, both of those two documents did require unanimity for uh, amendments. And when they amended the Articles of Association and created the Articles of Confederation, they had unanimity. But when they were moving to um, uh, get rid of the Articles of Confederation and, and create uh, the U.S. Constitution, you know, after nine years of, of having the Continental Congress that was operating under the Articles of Confederation, um, they were quite concerned that they would not get unanimity, and that the unanimity requirement that prevailed at the time and that was enshrined uh, in in the Articles of uh, Confederation would prevent them from ratifying this constitution. And so they they came up with a different rule.
1: That's going to do it for our ad-supported preview here of the Politics Guys midweek show. Now, I would love for you to continue to have this conversation with myself and Ken as we finish up Article 7 of the United States Constitution. Now, of course, we're not done here. We're going to be moving on to the Bill of Rights and the rest of the 27 amendments to the Constitution. Not only that, but we'd love for you to go back and listen to all of our episodes on the Constitution, starting with Article 1. But to do that, you're going to have to make the jump to being a Politics Guys supporter. I'd really love it if you'd become a supporter and join me and Ken as we continue on this journey through the Constitution. So how do you make that happen? Well, it's easy. You're going to head to patreon.com slash politics, guys. Again, that's patreon.com slash politics, guys. Go ahead there. Take a look at the level support and grab that level that'll get you the midweek show. Not only do you get the midweek show, though, you're going to get the weekend show ad free. That's right ad free. There are all other kinds of benefit levels that you can be at as well. I'd love for you to be a part of those as well. But if you want to see what those are and what you can get, head to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also scroll down there to the show notes and you're going to find all of those options for you. You can also support the guys on Venmo where we're at politicsguys. You can support the show through PayPal. All of those show notes are in the show notes along with if you head to politicsguys.com slash politicsguys support. But again, I really encourage you to see all those levels at patreon.com slash politicsguys. Now you're not in the position to get the show right now. I totally get that. I got a bunch of kiddos. I know what that's like. Please just reach out to us at mail at politicsguys.com. That's right, mail at and we'll get you hooked up with the midweek show. So wherever you wherever you're at right now, I'd encourage you to head to patreon.com slash politicsguys, continue this conversation with myself and Ken. If you can't do that, don't forget just rating this show on the podcast app of your choice is a phenomenal way of helping us out. Thank you so much. And I hope to see you over on the full show. The executive producers of The Politics Guys are Bruce Johnson, Wilma Marino, Andra Masker, Daniel Toe, Ryan Beasley, and Don Oglesby. We'll be back with a new episode this weekend. And I hope you'll join us then.